Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back to The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. I am so excited to be sitting down today with the incredible Harry Jameson. Harry is a trainer, performance coach, consultant, and founder. As well as being the fitness columnist for The Times, he has co-founded two wellness-focused startups, Rain CBD and Pillar. He continues to train a very small number of high-profile clients, including the Prime Minister. I cannot wait to hear his three defining moments that got him to where he is today. Hi, Harry. Roxy, thank you so much for having me and thank you for that glowing introduction. Oh my God, thank you so much for coming on. So I literally can't believe how long I haven't seen you. I know. It's been so long, wild. I know, I know. We've been friends for a long time and, you know, I've been uh, definitely admiring your uh, your journey, you know, all the stuff you're doing at the moment I think is amazing. So we're... Uh, we're all big fan. We're all big Roxy Nafusi fans in our house. That's for sure. Well, the feeling is mutual. You know, I'm obsessed with you, and you've got two kids now with beautiful Amy. How's being a dad? Um, it's a bit of a. You've picked a, a terrible day to ask me that question because both my kids were screaming the house down at two o'clock and four o'clock this morning. So, oh no! Um, they got they both got they both got little colds, so they were both oh. giving us a bit of bit of grief. But in general. It's amazing. It's the hardest job out there, but it's also the best job out there. You know, it's, oh. I mean, you're, you're a mum. I'm preaching to the converted here, but it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty special thing. Oh, it's so sweet. So let's go straight in to your first defining moment. So my first defining moment was actually um, a teacher that I had at school. And he was my first um he was like my form tutor, but he was also my set. He was also my PE teacher, um, and I kind of was always massively into sport. And he was a sort of a bit of a an icon of mine. You know, he was teaching a sport. I think I kind of wanted to be a PE teacher. Well, first of all, I obviously I was a young boy, so I wanted to be a footballer. And when I realised that that was probably going to be out of reach, I definitely wanted to be a sort of sports teacher or something within sport. And what he did was he was he was kind of, he thought differently about things than sort of most teachers in our school. And we would have these sort of form lessons and he would, um, you kind of rip up the form book and he'd say, look, we're not going to do that today. What we're going to do is teach you some skills in life that are going to be much more valuable. And you would have like this half an hour lesson in the morning. And he said, today we're going to teach you the art of debate and of, and of reason and of conflict. I didn't know what he was talking about. I was kind of a sort of cocky fourteen-year-old, and he and and he asked a question to the group, and he said, um, 
Okay, who thinks... I can't remember the specific question, actually, but I'll just use a topical example. We'll use Brexit as an example, even though it was way after Brexit. Who thinks we should leave Europe? Someone will put their hand up. Who thinks we should remain? Someone will put their hand up. And then he said, right, for the next 10 minutes, you have to argue the opposite person's points. You have to pretend that you think differently about something and you have to argue that other person's point. And we would do that all the time. And I kind of love debating. And it was a defining moment for me because it allowed me to always look and try to understand things from other people's points of view, even mm. if I did not, un it did not agree with them. Um, and I think that it was an incredibly useful skill in becoming a coach, in becoming a sort of business founder and business owner and consultant in terms of having the ability to be able to resolve conflict by really trying to understand the other person's point of view. So that was a very defining moment for me. Oh my God, that is such a sort of like profound and beautiful thing to be taught at such a young age. Especially I feel like it's, you know, especially when you're 14, 15, 16, it's so easy to become that kind of, like you said, that cocky teenager that really is just, you just think that your way is the highway. It's really easy to become quite narrow-minded at that age if you allow it. So to really be able to understand, it's also empathy and, yeah. you know, and that kind of understanding that is just, oh my God, I feel like all teachers should be doing that. <laughs> they should. It's, you know, at that time, what are you doing when you're 14, 15? You're kind of arguing with your parents and rebelling against mm. authority and trying to find your place in the world by sort of, you know, by hook or by crook, you know, trying to feel out and understand who you are and where your place is. And I just, I think it was, I, I, I reference that quite a lot when, when I talk to mm. people because, you know, as you become an adult, as you, like I'm married, you know, certainly times where I have to sit and understand my, my wife's point of view, you know, if, if, you, if you pretended that you all thought the same about everything all the time, it, it wouldn't be true and actually probably wouldn't be healthy. So I think to, to have empathy is probably one of, the, one of the greatest skills in life that you can have. You can still fight your corner and be strong about your position, but when you understand where the other person's coming from, it's a much smoother sort of journey towards resolving any conflict, I think. Oh, 100%. I think you're so right. It's business, but it's relationships. It's just, it's the, I think it's the ability to be humble enough to know that you don't always need to be right. And that everybody is free to have their own perspective and come to their own conclusions. And just letting go of that need for everybody to have the same ideas is is life-changing because it's that's liberating in itself yeah definitely and with, within within the business world it's essential i think if everybody in your in your group or in your on your board or within your group of founders or even working within your business all thinks exactly the same way it's very, very difficult to come up with a really great product that appeals to lots of different people. You, you, you need people to challenge you. So I, mm. when I was, that's probably the, one of the biggest things I've learned as I've grown older is I actually quite like it when I'm not right now. Whereas when I was younger, I hated <laughs> not being right. I always wanted to be right. Um, and now I want people to prove me wrong. Um, mm. And that's kind of how you learn. 
So I definitely still quite an opinionated guy, and I and I and I think I know what what I want. But I can always have my mind changed about anything, you know. And I think um, I think that's a useful skill to to have is to is to say, okay, then that changed my mind because my opinions are not so steadfast that they, I can't be swayed by uh, a difference of opinion or somebody more educated in that space or someone with a different experience. So I try. Not that I always am able to, but I try to always, you know, absorb other people's opinions. And I change my mind about stuff all the time. I think there's some sort of certain key values that you carry around with you forever. Mm. But definitely on 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 uh, on different subjects, I, I'm definitely quite fluid in, in how I think about stuff. Yeah, I'm so glad you used the word fluid because it's so much about that is about just understanding that it's okay to like feel differently than you did yesterday and I think there's a sense or I don't know I get the idea there's a sense sometimes with ego that we feel like if we've if we've said out loud that we think something then there's there's an embarrassment or shame to change your mind go actually you were right I was wrong maybe I do think differently but actually it is it's 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 a sign of strength and growth to be able to be fluid with you know what you believe or what you think Definitely, I think it's a good, good sign as the sign of a good leader. I think good mm. leaders are are like that, and I think we've got it. We've got it the wrong way around a little bit in this country, where we we think that sort of good good leadership needs to be this sort of completely immovable, um, you know, sort of steadfast opinion about various different things, and it's that way or it's or it's wrong. Um, but I think, yeah, good, good leadership, you know, good parenting, definitely, you know, your kids change your opinions about stuff um, and, and good, good friendship as well. You think you, you yeah. speak to your friends and you give your opinion and hopefully your opinion counts for something, but so does theirs. I think it's respecting the other one's opinion. And actually me and you can disagree about something and it's, that's completely fine. We don't yeah. have to, we don't have to think the same about, about everything. You know, I've got friends who have, you know, on, on the, on the more trivial side, we support different football teams and argue about that <laughs> yeah, all the time. Exactly. And, then, and then on the, on the, on the more serious side, we, we might have different, differing political views or differing views on something else. And actually I've got friends from all kinds of walks of life from the from the sort of much more sort of traditional views on things to probably some of the most liberal people you'll ever meet and mm. I love them all sort of equally mm. and I probably sit somewhere fairly in the middle of that so I think um yeah you, you can't really just define yourself hopefully not just define all people with by by some of their by some of their views there are obviously extremes that would mean that I wouldn't want to particularly be your friend if you had some extreme views, but if you yeah. had some that were slightly different to mine, I think we should always be able to find a bit of common ground and and uh, and yeah, and try and educate me on the way that you think about stuff, and maybe that might change my mind. I love that. Well, what a great first moment. Honestly, love, love, loved it. Um, so, what was your second defining moment? Um, my second defining moment really was kind of it's kind of a, a, an accumulation of moments actually so I went up to Liverpool and, and went to university as an 18 year old and um, met some of the people in my life who, who are still my best friends today and it was where I really kind of I, I did a sports science and psychology degree and and I um I then went on to do a personal training diploma that sort of was the start of my of my career path and I just think 
that those probably four or five years of university where the first part of them, I did little to no studying. All I did was play sport, drink beer and make new friends and, you know, go out and have fun. But the life experiences that, that I learned and gained through mixing with people who weren't from where I was from, you know, I, I was kind of grew up in London in the southeast of England and was surrounded by loads of people who were very, very similar to me. You know, they talked with the same accent as me, thought the same about life, which kind of retrospectively was probably quite a isolated, not so old, call them small-minded, but it was a small-minded point of view. It just, I didn't have that, that life experience to have met loads of people who were my age and grew up in this country, but just grew up in a completely different environment. So I had friends from, ended up with friends from Glasgow and Belfast and Manchester and Liverpool and Newcastle. And, and you know, they were, I got on brilliantly with them and had massive amounts in common with them, although we were from completely different areas. So my second sort of defining moment, I think, with, with my, my days at university and the time I spent away from my mum, you know, I'd lived with my mum until that point, um, and going out to the big wide world and, and discovering what it was all about. And I say that because I'm sure lots of your listeners and, and, and followers actually will who are of that age will be maybe eyeing up shall I go to uni shouldn't I go to uni shall I go away and travel and I would say that 100% you should and and because for me it was a very very pivotal experience yes I gained some sort of uh, academic qualifications but I think the academia was very secondary to the to the life lessons that I learned Mm. of, of being sort of uh, integrated into other people's cultures and ways of thinking. You know, there was a lot of international students. I had a football team where we had this great young Japanese kid called uh, Cha Cha who spoke no English and he was a way better footballer than, than any of us. So we, <laughs> but we, and we wanted him in our, in our teams. We weren't playing for the first team. Um, and they didn't want him because he couldn't speak English. So we were like 100% we're going to have him and we sort of indoctrinated him into our little sort of lads football culture and he was just this amazing kid with two two French guys um, a lot of international students who studied with us and, and my time playing with that, that group of lads in that football team and we had a brilliant unbeaten season and, um, and, and then what came on from that you know the, the public speaking skills that I learned and having the ability to stand up in front of a decent number of people and, and, and give a give a talk even though you your, your nerves are shaking everywhere and I and I've now gone on to do sort of corporate well-being speeches in front of several hundreds of people and working with Twitter over in New York speaking to their global leadership teams and, and actually retrospectively the skills I learned back then really did set me up for for us to be successful as I grew into being an adult so mm. I would definitely say my, and if I look back on what my fondest times were you know but didn't really have many cares in the world didn't have a mortgage and children and businesses to think about but I just thought about trying to get a bit better at what I was doing every day and having fun and I think that that's a very very important thing for young adults to uh, get into their heads you know it's important to work hard at what you're doing my god it's also important to have fun while you can and and i definitely had a lot amazing i love that and i think that's so nice i think it's so nice also to hear that yeah you know life isn't all especially if you're 
you know you're someone that is very successful in what you do now and just even knowing that it's not all work like you do have to just have fun and meet new people and spend those years you know like embracing the no responsibility um and like you know exactly that is learning about other cultures and other people and yeah it's just this kind of like wild time that it doesn't even feel real. I, when I look back at university, I'm like, well, I can't, it feels like such a lifetime ago. I can't even remember it. <laughs> I know. We had this. Um, so I went to uni. I make myself sound very old now. But I went to uni in 2000. And um, obviously last year due to COVID and, and, and such, the year was a bit of a write-off. But we, we looked back and went, oh, my God, I went to uni 20 years ago. And that's such a sort of scare. Because it seems, mm. yeah, so much has happened since. And it yeah. seems like a lifetime ago, but it also seems like yesterday when you think back on, on what you were doing and, and those feelings and emotions and and um, and those things that you learn. And I still speak to uh, my best mate. Speak to him every day, and, and we met at uni. We've gone on and had children, and and and, and, and like like we said before, you know, started our own businesses. In some cases, you know, started ones that hasn't gone right and gone back and started another one and supported each other through that and you kind of you know your mates from uni sort of better than you know anybody probably mm. um and yeah that that time was was just a, a pivotal time in my sort of overall life experience and I definitely think that those things that I learned then although I didn't know it at the time I didn't quite appreciate it at the time which is um you know, similar to lots of things right hindsight gives you a great sense of perspective but for somebody like you Roxy who's now you know comfortable standing up and or maybe not comfortable but standing up and, and talking in front of lots of people that's a really mm. tough thing to do and the first few times you do it you, you you're, you're petrified um mm. and you look back and when you first learned to do that well I first learned to, to do that at university we would have to present to, to to the group and that might only be 30 or 40 people um mm. but i remember feeling a bit nervous then um and then you know when you when you give talks in front of much larger audiences or or things that are kind of much more important you know in my business journey you know i've had to go out and raise money for stuff and you're standing in front of some financiers and private equity guys and venture capital guys who are grilling you on questions and you've got to stand there with confidence and authority and talk about your subject matter and that's what I learned then. And I didn't know that, that I was going to use those skills to then go and start different businesses and, and raise money and, and, and do that kind of stuff. But um, had I not done that then, I don't think I would be as good at, good at it as I am now or maybe have been able to be successful at it. Mm, I love that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bad, uh, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both <laughs> For the more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for music in my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm so glad no one can see me right now because I'm doing, I was doing some weird <laughs> dance moves. You head off and then, yeah. <laughs> Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. So I just became a lot more productive and happier. Mm. And for me, like, that's just worth it. The Weekly Roast, Music in My Life, and How Are You? Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. So what is your third defining moment? Well, I couldn't be the father of two children and not put the, the birth of my children in there as my sort of most defining moment um and although you know both very very different I think and and I and I love them equally I think the birth of my son who is the oldest one because it was the first time it had happened was definitely an incredibly defining moment for me um I mean we we were in a room full of um so a my wife gave birth in a in a birth center it was a midwife led unit everybody in there was a woman who kind of been there and seen there and done it before and i was the only guy and everyone was kind of smiling and happy and looking around and i was just a blubbing mess in the corner just <laughs> overcome with emotion crying my eyes out all these all these four women looking at me thinking oh my god what's happened to this guy and then you're this baby comes out and they and they place him on your chest and and your life is never the same ever again and none loads of people that described it to me this is what it's like but it is genuinely one of the only experiences in your entire life that you'll never understand what it's like until it happens to you and then you'll sort of get it um just the level of sort of love and emotion you feel towards this sort of tiny little 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 baby who who needs who's going to need you for everything for a very long time um and then it just really redefined the motivation behind why I do what I do sort of every day I'm an incredibly hard worker and um my work ethic probably went up tenfold after becoming a dad and you know having a little bit more of a drive and purpose you know real purpose behind it you know trying to build future for your children and, and make them proud and, and, and do things that are, that will make their lives easier. Not always want them to have an easy life because I think you need to have challenges in order to build character. So now I've got that tough responsibility of 
hopefully not giving them too much too soon but and, and teaching them the values that that I was taught but the birth of my son was definitely an incredibly defining moment for me mm, oh of course it's so beautiful just even just to hear you speaking about those first moments of holding him and what has been the sort of journey because you know I feel like the first year is a whole roller coaster in itself and now Otis is three is he almost three he's almost well he'll be three in September so he's like yeah he's two and a half and he um he, he's a real real little character and, and it's just we're all just we're all just sort of making it up as we go along if we're honest you know and there's this we're all making mistakes as we go and you know feeling guilty that we that we have or haven't done certain things and I think you know part of part of it all is just kind of accepting that and I and you know we talked about my first life experience about sort of not wanting to be right all the time and and kind of being open to admitting when you're not I think a big thing about being a parent and in some cases you know in, in, in your business life is not trying to be perfect all the time and being not take not being too hard on yourself when you when you're not because you, you haven't done this before and um it's only by practice over time that, that that you'll get that you'll get better and as long as it's all coming from this sort of place of love which he always does you know none of us are doing things that we to be to, to try not to be a good parent but or not to be a good founder or not to be a good husband or or, or partner but we're all just we're all just sort of bumbling our way through it together and you definitely it definitely although i was obviously loved my wife before when you when you uh when you see your partner give birth it's this whole new level of of just sort of admiration and respect because i just thought there's lots of things in my life that i think i could probably do just as well as her and that was one thing where i was like there's no way i could have ever done that <laughs> in my life and i've done some pretty hard physical challenges and i've run three marathons all over the world and had a boxing fight in front of a thousand people and rode a few thousand kilometers on my bike for charity. If I could never have, have delivered a child the way she did. So that was probably the most impressive sort of phys feat of physical endurance that I've ever seen. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was just, it was just a very crazy emotional sort of pivotal uh, experience for me. And then the second one, equally so, you know, the second one was a girl and completely different births. First one took 17 hours. The second one arrived 26 minutes after we got to the hospital. No. So it was very... Oh, my yeah, God. Nearly came, nearly came in the taxi. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, that, that was that was pretty crazy. Um, wow. So, she, yeah, and she, so she, Mila, my daughter, came out so quickly um, Amy did this amazing hypnobirthing and was very much just sort of in control of things all the way. And mm. Mila came, and because she, 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 Amy had no drugs, so she had two two goes on the gas and air and two contractions after we arrived, and it was that was it. It was like baby, was, baby came. That's and, um, incredible. It was incredible, and no one was really ready. They didn't have enough time to run the birth pool. Which I which I kept calling a hot tub, and everyone kept telling me it's not the hot. So I was like, but "Can we run the hot tub?" And they were like, "It's not a hot tub, sir. It's a birth pool." And then we were we were sort of the taps were on, and Amy was turning around, and 
I said, can we get, can we get in the water? Well, I think there might have been a couple more swear words there, but I was like, can we get in the water? And, uh, and the woman looked at me and just sort of, you know, gave this sort of rubbed her hands under her chin. Was like, nope, no time. Um, oh and then, my and then boom, gosh. Two pushes later, the baby was here. So then they just put Mila on top of me, you know, skin on skin on top of my chest. Yeah. And then went back to to Amy and got the placenta out and, and all that yeah. stuff because there wasn't time for her to be to get distressed or anything. She she didn't cry, so she just came out and just sort of stared at me. And I was I was the only one crying. Yeah, again, I was the only one crying. So I was sort of looking at this little baby, thinking, "Wow." And then they went off and 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 were, were next to us, but did everything else that needed to be done with Amy and and then put the baby on on the on the breast. But the first half an hour at least of Mila's life, she was just lying on my chest, just sort of staring at me. And that was a, that was a pretty unbelievable moment too. Oh, oh my god! Honestly, I love birth. I just think <laughs> it's the most like extraordinary thing in the world. Um, how do you think you do? You think you it feels different being a dad of a son and a daughter? It does. Um, it does. You know, I just think you, you know, as a the the sort of alpha male protector in me just sort of comes flooding out when you when you have this sort of little daughter who's very Mm. beautiful and very angelic and then the sort of you know rough and tumble dad comes out of me when Otis comes running through the running from nursery you know he he runs out jumps into your arms and you know gives you a big cuddle and that's that's up there with the best feelings in the world and I think you really want to um you, I, I, I aspire to treat them both equally. You know, I want them to both do whatever they want and be as happy as they can in their lives. But I think mm. you, you'd be, you wouldn't be telling the truth as, as a father of each if you didn't, you know, slightly look at them in slightly different ways. And in, in mm. terms of, you know, how how you want them to protect to be protected. Mm. Um, but I do think it's important to, um. Yeah, to going back to to what I sort of slightly alluded to before, going through the constant struggle now, you know, of being very, very lucky to live in central London and, and to have sort of opportunity to, to, to strike that balance between giving them every opportunity you possibly can versus, you know, teach them that life can be a struggle sometimes. And actually, when you struggle through, through challenges, that's how you sort of build resilience mm-hmm. and character. So... Without you don't want to give them too much too soon, and yeah, you know, I had to, I had jobs washing dishes in the local pub when I was sort of a teenager, and I hated it at the time. But afterwards, you know, it taught me work ethic and the value of money. And um, my mum would sort of drop me off and pick me up at the end of the night, which I'm sure she hated at eleven thirty on a Friday night. But it was definitely. You know, something that was very character building. So that's probably what I aspire to to do to my children is to really instill, you know, values and character. Mm. And my wife, Amy, when my son was born, she put it better than I could have. She said, our only job now is to make him smart and to make him kind. And I thought, well, if we can do those two two things, um, then then he'll, he'll do well in life. Oh my God, that is just so beautiful. That is just, that really is exactly what you want to do. That is so, oh, Amy, a poet. Yeah. 
<laughs> She's, um, she is a pet. She is. <laughs> um, so, Harry, I want to ask you a little bit because you obviously are incredibly successful in what you do. You're a founder. You're, you know, kind of top of your game, really. And for someone listening that is starting out in their career, no matter what it is, um, what do you think are some of the little secrets to uh, just being the best that you can in what in whatever area you work in? Um, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it, it all starts with, with a passion. And for me, it did anyway. You know, I was one of those really, really lucky people. I mean, as you have become able to become, you know, over the years that I managed to turn something I was very passionate about into a job. So I, I kind of, although I've, by default, being a being a PT, you know, I was getting up very, very early, very anti-social hours. I worked every Saturday for at least 10 years. Um, I would work evenings and early mornings. Although it, it never really felt like, like, like a work because I loved it. You know, I loved exercising. I loved having conversations when I've been able to train some of the most successful people in the, in the country and so, in some cases globally. And I've learned an enormous amount of them, but it all came from the fact that I was really, really passionate about about what I did. And I didn't, I never genuinely put a hand on my heart. Never set out to be a to in my in my in first job. I never set out in the initial stages to become wealthy and successful. Those weren't the drivers behind what I was doing. And um, being really good, and in my in my case, I wanted to be the best um, trainer I could be and have the biggest impact on some really big big names and work with big brands. I wanted to do that, but it wasn't driven from, from a monetary perspective. It was really just driven from a sort of personal passion perspective. And and the success came as a result of that, I think. I, um, I was quite uncompromising in, in my sort of values of what I wanted to do, and that was really important. So if you can be sort of very proud, I always wanted to be proud of everything that, that I put out there and that I did and if that's a sort of starting block it stands you in good stead to do really good work the world is different now and I started my career when Facebook wasn't even invented and now you know lots of trainers in our space make 90% of their money from Instagram without ever having to actually sort of train people and, and, and I would sort of push back against that slightly and whilst I have some ambassador deals you know brilliant brands, Lululemon, Techno Gym, you know, some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, I, they want to work with me because I built the foundation of, of, I hope, being a really good coach rather than the other way around. And I think you need to build a really strong foundation of experience in your chosen field and the success will follow on after that. Um, that would be my first piece of advice. And my second piece of advice would be to sort of knock down some doors. I went and did um, a, a young sort of strength and condition. I was a young coach and I wanted to see what it was like in elite level sport. And my cousin was a physio at the time and he introduced me to a guy who, who uh, I won't forget, his name was Dan Clether. And he was a strength and conditioning coach for the English Institute of Sport. And I asked him if I could come and just shadow him for, for one or two days and watch what he was doing. So I went down to Twickenham in St. Mary's where they had UK athletics for training and watched him put in all these sort of young athletes through their sessions. 
And now, retrospectively, looking back, he was training this young, sort of skinny kid, and he said that this guy is going to be a, a future future star. And it turned out that that guy was Mo Farah, who went on to be Sir Mo Farah and to win um, double gold in the Olympics for, for Great Britain and, and get his knighthood and um, or MBE or knighthood. I don't. I think yeah, I think he's got a knighthood. And I just I really soaked up that environment, and I wouldn't have got there if I didn't, you know, send emails around and knock down people's doors and ask people for an opportunity to come and to learn and, and be willing to do stuff for free just to build experience. And that was really important for me is to be around. It kind of goes back to, again, what we were saying before about not wanting your ego to get in the way. I wanted to be the least intelligent person in the room so that I could sit there and learn of the more experienced and talented and, and smart people and be a bit of a sponge. Um, so I was really lucky that I s- surrounded myself with very, very talented people who were very generous with their time um, and allowed me to learn from them. So it was a bit of a ramble, but I hope that makes <laughs> makes, oh. makes sense in terms of being able to sort of position yourself right and do things because you're passionate about them and, mm. and just you know listen and learn as much as you can. I love that. I think it's honestly so inspiring. And I think especially just knowing that in the beginning, you do just have to put yourself out there, ask people for help. You know, even like you said, like shadowing people, working for free, like, you know, really is all about that. It's not just something that happens overnight. Um, You've also got to work hard and you know, listen and learn and, and keep going and be persistent. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you so, so much for sharing your defining moments with us. I honestly just, I think you are such a great example of someone who you're just very humble and you have such a great ethic you know, and value system. And it really, you can, it really like resonates out from you. And I think you will probably, you will be inspiring so many young people. And especially I think to have a male role model like you is so important. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited for people to hear this. Uh, that's very, very kind. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm honored to come on and, and, and help and what's your journey. And I think that the other thing and the last thing I, w- I would say, because I know that this is a very sort of powerful message that you get out, that you put out there. And that's one of sort of something that I, I learned much later than I would have liked was the sort of the power of, of, of mindfulness and using, using meditation, but also the power mm. of manifesting things, the power of like, mm. almost talking things into existence and mm. willing them into existence. So anything I've got now, um, whether it's life or career or any, you know, a car or a house or whatever it is, you know, I, I talked and I thought those things into existence and I worked yeah. bloody hard to make them happen. But there was definitely... I tried not to sort of stumble across stuff. I wanted to have a sort of quite a clear vision about what I wanted to achieve. And, and then I sort of set about doing it. And whilst you can be reactive, you know, things, opportunities will come your way and don't be scared to take them, you know, take them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't work out, that's fine. You don't want to look back and regret the things that you didn't do. But I definitely, you know, had a, had, had a, had a path and a, and a bit of a, an action plan in pace that, as to how I was going to achieve those things. And, you know, 
my we there's a bit of a running joke in my house because my wife is huge on manifestation. She's like, well, I, I manifest the things and then you go and make them happen, and that's kind of what we have a bit of a <laughs> bit of, bit of team team teamwork in our house. But I do think that they, that there's definitely sort of equal gravity with with both of those approaches. Oh, I love that. I mean, you know, I am the biggest manifesting advocate. I live and breathe it, and it's always so. Uh, it's just so reassuring and lovely to hear when other people are, you know, explaining that yeah, they didn't just they didn't just visualize it; they visualized it and then worked really hard to make it happen. And that really is the essence of man- manifesting: is knowing what you want, but then being proactive in 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 manifesting it into into your existence so yeah thank you so much for sharing that it's a pleasure thank you so much for having me thank you so much harry and i can't wait to see you all soon likewise likewise love to you and the family and i'll see you soon (laughs) thank you love bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.